Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Tired of that same old, same old breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Same old tasting scrambled eggs, burger, that dinner steak, ribs, or pork chops. Why not add a little bit of spice or just a touch of heat to make the difference? Change that scrambled egg with a little bit of Johnny Fabulous's John Cena Sr.'s Million Dollar Jalapeno Hot Sauce. Great on burgers, steaks, chops, and those barbecued ribs. Hi, it's Josh from Under the Table Hot Sauce. I'm here with my friend, the star of the show, Jimmy Farrow. Yeah, what's up, JB? Nah, nothing. It's been a hot summer, and for all your barbecue needs, you can go to UndertheTableHotSauce.com. 13 unique flavors to choose from, created and bottled in a Long Island kitchen. UndertheTableHotSauce.com. Let's go chow, JB. Let's do it. All the flavor, twice the burn. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. Sport and non-sport cards, wrestling items, autographed items. We buy, sell, and trade. M&J Video Games and Collectibles, located at 1049 Queen Street, Southington, Connecticut. Call us at 1-860-479-9223 or 860-93-GAMES. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. It's fake news. Hello, this is Tony, Mr. USA Atlas, 2006 WWE Hall of Famer, along with my good friend and, and partner here, Larry the Hillbilly 
What is your last name? Huntley. Huntley. Ha, 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 Huntley. And who is our co-owner and founder of North Atlantic uh, Wrestling Association or, or, uh, up here in Maine. Do a lot of great work for the community. Great community guy. So if y'all will be looking for sponsors that anybody want to sponsor one of Larry uh, benefit shows, we work with the veteran, we work with kids, we work with anything that uh, uh, we true America want to help. So so that North America Wrestling Association founder and owner Larry the Hillbilly Huntley. That's only my persona in the ring. Yes, and he's also a good, a, a real tough guy and, and and a good wrestler. But anyway. I always like to read the comments after every show, and sometimes people ask me, "Say Tony, why you talk a little bit more about this?" As y'all well know, everybody knows that I was a, a wrestler, bodybuilder, powerlifter. So, one of the things that uh, I want to talk about is uh, the guy asked a question about uh, uh, how did I get started in uh, uh, weightlifting. Well, there was a guy by the name of Steve Reeves. And Steve Reed was a, a a bodybuilder. He was Mr. America. And then he went into the movies and became an actor. He played in all these old Hercules movies. You're like Hercules, Unchained, everything. It was Steve Reed. In fact, he was inducted in the, uh, yeah, he spits on the wall, that, that poster there. He was inducted in, in the Bodybuilding Hall of Fame along with me in 2007, World Bodybuilding Guild. A Hall of Fame. Now, me and him, we went in uh, at the same time, uh, 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 inducted for 2007 with Dan Lord. But anyway, Steve Weaves, I went and saw Steve Weaves uh, in the movie Hercules Unchained. I remember sitting there uh, with my brother Norris, and I asked him, which one is Steve Reed? Well, at the beginning of the movie, this girl was riding a chariot, and the horses got away from her. So I asked my brother, I said, which one is Steve Reed? Because they had all these guys. I didn't know who was, which one was Hercules. So then all of a sudden, I saw from the knees down, this big, huge calf. And then all of a sudden, the tree started coming out of the ground. He pulled a tree up off the ground, went over and threw it in front of the, the chariot to stop the chariot from running. And I go, why? And my brother Noah said, that's, that's Hercules. And I sat there in amazement. That look at the physique on this man and the strength that, that he had and everything, and how he used to beat his opponent. He would take a pick up one guy over his head and throw him into the into other people. And I said, man, that's what I want to do. So from the moment I saw Steve Reed in Hercules Unchained, in fact, I even got the movie. I just went out and got it because that's how I got my start um, uh, with, with Steve Reed. Well, I didn't know much about lift weights at that time. I got with a guy called Moochie. And he had a, a good chest. And uh, he had these little weights that he had. He took a baton that, you know, baton that women use for twirling. And he took two 10-pound plates and put it on each side and took tape and taped it on. And that was his weight. So he made his own weight. And he let me use him. I used to sit there and do curls until I couldn't bend my arm no more. And uh, when I first started, all I did was I just trained my arm. I didn't train anything but arm. Finally, one day I was in school. That guy said, you know, if I put your arms together, they're bigger than your whole body. Because that's all I had with this big old huge arm. And, and, and so uh, I ended up getting my arm up to 16 and a half inches at that time when I was in by like the seventh or eighth grade. And then, yeah, then, I, then I got with... Uh, a guy named Alfonso Johnson. And Alfonso Johnson used to go to the uh, local YMCA. Well, I was working at time, but I was boxing for the police athletic league. So I, you know, I used to go down after school, you know, hit the heavy bag, you know, speed bags and everything, get in the ring, do a few rounds with guys that was getting ready to fight. I was more like a sparring partner. Uh, for for uh everybody got my nose box in boxing broken you know a couple of times turn to the side tony yeah yeah don't look at the script yeah there, there you there go ain't nothing left there. that, that comes from boxing you know get get a lot of people say where well, come from women stepping on your face well probably did you know i did that too but <laughs> but anyway you, you know and, and i was really in, into boxing and wrestling 
and, and everything. But weightlifting was really, really my love. People ask me, Tony, what you like? What do you like most doing? Boxing or wrestling? I said, well, they have to pay me to get in the ring, and I paid to go to the gym. So I would pay to go to the gym, but I won't pay to get in the ring. You know, they have to pay me to get in the ring. So I wrestled for the money, not for the, the, the love of it. Even though I loved doing it, it was not. I had to, I still had to get paid. I was going, I was not going to do it free. In the gym, I go to free, uh, go to gym free. Well, one of the things I want to tell people that people don't don't know. My mom used to say, anything, anything you don't want, just don't take care of it. You won't have it long. Ninety percent of a human being, when you look at a person. 90% of that person is his body. From the neck down is what we call our body. And that is the part that is most neglected by all of us. That's why healthcare is so bad. That's why so many people, uh, a lot of people could catch COVID and a lot of people don't catch COVID because some people got stronger immune system, stronger bodies than other people. A woman may go and give childbirth. One woman may go in and she's in, the, in there for 14 to 20 hours giving childbirth. Another woman got a stronger body. She's only there for maybe three or four hours because her body is stronger, her stomach muscle is stronger, so she got more of a push. I learned later, I didn't know it then, but I do know it now, that after the age of 25, anybody that don't do some type of resistance movement, it don't have to be weightlifting, it could be calisthenic. It could be construction work. It could be mowing the lawn. But for anybody that don't, in other words, anybody that don't do anything physical, physical activity, that don't compete, compete in anything physically, they lose a half a pound of muscle a year. So after 25, for all you guys and women that sit around and don't do any physical activity or play on your cell phone or play on a computer all day, you are disintegrating. Every year, you lose a half a pound of muscle. Every year. Not going to stop until you do some type of physical activity. Anybody that don't do physical activity, they don't put no stress on the bone. And by not putting any stress on the bone, you lose 1% of your bone density every year up until age 70. Because by the time you reach age 70, you ain't got no more bone density to lose. That's why when old people fall, they always break something because the bone becomes very brittle. Because the body only produces what it needs. If it don't need it, it won't produce it. So when you burn uh, calories in your body, if you're not doing it to burn up them calories and burn up the fuel that you put in your body, your body is not going to produce the muscles because you're not using the muscles. It's always saying use it or lose it. When it's true when it comes to your physique. You even the people are meant to move. They are people are meant to be active. We are not meant to sit around and disintegrate. And and so when you put stress on the bone, I'm not talking about mental stress. I'm talking about physical stress. When you when you lifting something, that puts stress on the joint. So the, the, the body, the signal go to your, your bones and tell the 206 bones, 206 bones in your body to thicken itself for what you're doing. It will tell the muscle to strengthen itself for what you're doing. So your body will only produce what you need. That's why they call antibody steroids steroids. Because during the time you take an artificial testosterone, your body is not producing, producing testosterone. Because the body is not going to produce testosterone if it don't need it. So when we put calories in, it meant to burn them calories. If you don't burn them calories, your body restores them calories for energy to be used later. Now, if later never come to do anything physical, then we won't burn them calories. All the people that I have trained, everybody that was overweight, don't eat breakfast. Majority of overweight people don't eat breakfast. They will skip breakfast 
They would have a mild lunch. Then by the end of the day, they starving. The body is like a car. I could fill my tank up in the morning with gas and drive around town all day long. Well, during the day, I'm burning up that gas. So by the end of the day, I don't have them have that much gas left in the tank. I, I, mean, I could burn up half a tank of gas in one day. So even though I start over a full tank of gas, by the end of the day, I got to have a tank of gas. But if I drive around all day and fill my car up with gas and park it in the driveway and go to sleep, when I get up in the morning, I still got a full tank of gas. Well, your body is the same way. You fill up the gas tank at nighttime. You go to sleep. When you wake up in the morning, you still got a full tank of gas. And then you put more on top of that, but you have not burned the gas that was already you put in earlier. So we are meant to uh, to move. We are meant to do exercising. Now, in the wrestling world, when I first started, a lot of guys didn't believe in weight training. So they would do stuff like calisthenics. I used to get up in the morning, and, and I remember Sandy Scott. He would go to the gym a little bit, uh, Sandy will. But most of his stuff was done in the room. He would he would ask me to hold his hold his feet while he did his setups. He would do setup with me holding holding his feet. Then he had this uh he would do pull ups uh between the chair. He would take a broom handle and put it on the back of the chair and he would do pull ups on the chair. He would do what's called free squat. Now Rick Flair was already known to be a cardio man. And Rick Flair would do what we call sumo squat, where you squat down and come up. And he would do 500 a day. 500, oh, you would call them free squats. Squats is where you squat down, you squat down like and stand back up. And he would do them things all day long. And he had a thing of like every day he had to do 500 sumo squat. And that was his way. The Aaron Sheik had another way of training where he had these clubs that he would go around his leg and all these different weird exercises that he did, but it made him a very, very, I tried them clubs one time, hit me in the head and they knocked me out. That, so, that is one of the hardest things I've ever seen in my oh, life. Oh, it's not easy. It's all wrist strength. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all in the wrist because, you know, he was a, a, a Greco-Roman wrestler, a collegiate wrestler, so you have to have a strong grip and strong wrist. And I see guys do all type of uh, uh, different uh, exercises over the year, but my my thing, or like I always say, always have been weight training. You know, uh, I, I just like lifting up uh, heavy things. And uh, where I used to train in the older days, on Monday, I would go to the gym and I would start off with the bench press. And I would put 135 pounds on there and I would do it 10 times. Then I would wait one minute. Then I would put 225 on. I do that 10 times and I would wait one minute. Then I would go to 315 pounds and I would do that eight times and I would wait one and a half minute. Then I would go to 500 and I would do that six, uh, uh, five to six times with 500. Then I would take a two-minute break. I will explain all this to y'all later, the different. I would start off with a one-minute break with the 135 and the 125. While I was in the ones and twos, I took a one-minute break. When I was in the threes and fours, I took a two-minute break. After 500, I would take a three-minute break. And I would work up until I do 600. Now, the reason I've done it that way, because when you rest one minute, 75% of your creatine force phase have returned to your body. Or you're recovering, you're 75% from recovering. When you rest two minutes, you're 95% from recovering. At three minutes, you must have fully recovered, which you can lift more because when muscles get tight, they, they, while you pushing the muscles, pull because the muscles tight. So if you want size, just size, do one minute between each set if you want big muscle. If you want big muscles and strength, do two minutes between sets. If you just want strength, 
just strength and not big muscles, then take three minutes. If you rest four minutes, go home. You are not working out anymore. I see guys in the gym now, and they would do a set. Then they get on their phone. They do a set. Then they get back on the phone. 90%, 90% of bodybuilding, weightlifting, everything we do physically, 90% of it is mental. I usually tell my students, uh, my female students, I say, if you and I should get in an altercation right now, nine times out of 10, I may be able to beat you nine times out of 10 if we get in an altercation now. I said, but you came home and saw me attacking somebody that is really, 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 really close to you. At that particular time, I would not be able to beat you. Well, everybody said, well, that's just a dribbler. Got more dribbling. But anybody ever been in a real fight? No, you got a dribbler even when you're getting your ass kicked. You still got a dribbler going. So what have changed? Physically, you the same. For that one moment of your life, you will focus. You will focus on stopping me from doing what I'm doing. That's what have changed. Your focus have changed. What every woman that I overtrain have bench press over 200 pounds. I never trained a woman that I did not get over 200 pounds on the bench. And they're always shocked when I tell them how much weight it is. How I did it, I wouldn't let them know when I'm lifting. They say how much weight I wouldn't tell them. I wouldn't let them look at the weight. Because the first thing they would do when they look at that weight, they would say that, oh, I can't lift that. They psych themselves out to lose. But, it, but as long as they didn't know what the weight were, they lived it. In fact, that happened to me in amateur wrestling. My coach used to play tricks on my opponent. All we had these long, skinny legs, you know, but all we had pretty good size arms. So my coach would make me keep my jacket on, my, my uh, warm-up jacket, until it was time for me to go wrestle. Then when I get on the mat, the, the, uh, the coach would say, ready on the right? Uh, the referee would say, ready on the, on the right? Ready on the left? Okay, son, you got to take that jacket off. So I would turn and look at, look at my coach. My coach would go, take it off. So I would take my jacket off, and this was a look that I got on every high school match that I would have been in when they first saw me take that jacket off. You already had a beat? I got a beat. It's my match. Right away, they had lost all confidence in themselves. They said, oh, look at his arm. I can't beat him. Right away, that's what they say. They tell themselves, I can't beat him. They don't tell them. Just by one look at me in my, in my, uh, uh, after my high school day, they figured they couldn't beat me because I had 19. At that time, I had 19-inch biceps, you know. And so they figured, I can't beat this guy. So 90%, you take a waitress, go to any restaurant or any diner in the United States, you would see overweight of uh, our waiters. They walk eight hours to 12 hours a day, depending on the job. They don't lose one pound. Another lady go into the, uh, the gym and walk one hour and lose weight. What is the difference? How can you walk for one hour and lose weight and walk for eight hours and don't lose weight? Easy. The waitress is concentrating on her customers, not her body. The lady on the trail mill is concentrating on her body. It's body-mind connection. You know, this and this, these two things, your body and your brain, have the joint forces as one. And you, when you're training your bicep, if you're not concentrating on your bicep, they're not going to grow. If you're training your chest, and you're not concentrating on chest, it don't go. That I used to talk to this guy in Santa Monica all the time. I hope he don't get mad from telling this. His name is, I don't know if y'all ever heard this name before. Uh, very few people know him. He's not that famous. His name is Anna Schwarzenegger. Who's that? Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not that, you know, he, yeah, he's, 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 he's no big deal. Yeah, he's no, you know, what, seven-time Mr. Olympia? You know, yeah, yeah, not a big deal. Name was Arnold Schwarzenegger. He do a commercial or something? And I, yeah, and I went to Arnold one time, and I say, uh, 
I, my calves won't grow. He said, that's your problem. He said, have you ever noticed that if a person, he said, in order to get big, you have to think big. He said, women's people can lift weights and lose weight, and people can lift weights and gain weight. It depends on what you got here, why you train it, what you think about why you train it. Well, when I'm training my calves, I'm thinking it's not going to grow, so they don't grow. I'm telling them mentally, I'm telling my calves not to grow. You ever seen a person be, that the probably can't then lift 100 pounds, all of a sudden one day lift a car up off of someone? Because at that one time, it's like he used this. See, the average person, they don't lose, the average person don't, don't lose 10% of the power of the brain. A human brain is freaking incredible. Everything, every computer, every cell phone, every iPhone, everything on the planet Earth was created by a human brain. But as technology came more and more into play, more and more into play, people started believing less in themselves and more in the technology. I asked people, I said, do you believe in yourself? Do you believe in yourself? And everybody said, oh, yeah, I believe in myself. I believe in myself. I, and I said, well, okay, let me see if you believe in yourself. I said, you got a car? Yes. Pretty good car. Oh, I got a great car, Tony. Just brand new. I said, when you put that key in that initial that morning and you turned that initial, was there any doubt in your in uh, uh, in your head that that car would not start? He said, oh, no. I said, when you get up and grab that remote for your TV and you point it at your TV, or is there any doubt that the TV would not come on? They go, no. I said, when you pick up your phone and you turn it on, was there any doubt that phone is not going to work? Oh, no. When I put 300 pounds on the bench, is there any doubt that you can lift it? Oh, yeah. But I, I thought you believe in yourself. You believe in your car. Belief means no doubt. In fact, if that car don't start, you're surprised. Because you expect it to start. So you're surprised when it don't work. When that TV don't come on, you're surprised. Because you expect it to always work. Because you believe in it. When that cell phone don't come on, you're surprised. But when you bench press 300 pounds, you're surprised because you didn't expect you could do it. Because you don't believe in yourself as much as you think you do. Belief is without doubt. You can't say I believe in something, but there's no but. Either you believe or you don't. There's no gray area. The brain don't work that way. Either you believe that you could do something or you believe you can't. And that's pretty much what bodybuilding is all about. That's why a bodybuilder looks different than a power lifter. Because a power lifter is not concentrating on his muscle when he lifts. He's concentrating on the amount of weight he lifted. He's concentrating on the weight. A bodybuilder never concentrate on the weight. They concentrate on the muscle. I was trained with Al Becker. And he was known all over the bodybuilding world in the 70s and in the 80s. And he was at that time, Al Becker was like 40 or 50 some years old when I was trained with him. And we were doing leg extension. So I, I did my last set. And I was getting ready to move on to another exercise. And I asked him, I said, what weight you want me to put it on? He said, put it on that weight I had the last time. He didn't know what he was lifting. I worked out with Charles Glass. Charles Glass is a guy that trains Flex Wheeler and a lot of top bodybuilders, you know, uh, you know, they call him the coach. He's a well-known uh, uh, personal trainer uh, in bodybuilding named Charles Glass. And uh, he was doing bench press one time. And I said, Charles, how much you got on? He said, I don't know. He, he wasn't looking at the weight. Because he's not a weightlifter. He's not concentrating on how much weight he lifts. He's concentrating on how many. He didn't even count the reps. Most bodybuilders and top bodybuilders, they don't even count how many reps they do. They focus on the muscle. Honestly, you have to visualize what you want to look like as you train it. Bodybuilding is kind of like construction worker. It's a construction worker. Before you build a body, you have to first, before you build a house, you have to first have a blueprint, the idea. You just can't go into the gym and start lifting weights and expect something to just pop up. When I went first started going to the gym 
Everybody in the gym had muscle. Everybody had muscle when I first started. Now I go to the gym, you may see one or two guys in the whole gym with muscles. Nobody got muscles in the gym no more. You, you look around the neighborhood, your school, you see people, hey, I'm going to the gym. Well, you look at them, they got no muscles. How can you go to the gym for five years, work out five days a week, and not develop any muscle? Easy. They're not concentrating on muscles. You, in bodybuilding, you are what you think. My hero was Sergio Olivia. He had this little bit of waist and his big arms, big legs, everything was big except for that little bit of waist. Well, one day I was looking at a picture of, of him doing a double bicep, and then I was looking at a picture of, of, of me, you know, younger picture, not now, you know. <laughs> but, you know, younger picture of me. And I had the same physique. Because I focused when I was working out, I picture myself looking like Sergio Olivia. You see? And that's and that's what it's all about. The the brain, the brain controls the body. The body do not control the brain. So if you lift your weight and you're thinking about your problems at home, if you concentrate on your business, if you concentrate on your girlfriend. If you're not concentrating on the muscle you're training, that muscle would not grow. It would not strengthen. The body's doing one thing, the brain is doing another. When I first started, guys taught me 90% is mental. And they say, if you don't believe it's going to happen, it won't happen. So if you really believe in yourself, don't doubt your ability. Don't doubt yourself. Because if you go into something with doubt, you're going to come out with doubt. You have to attack it. I always say the gym is holy. You treat it like church. You wouldn't swear in church. And you would not lose your concentration in the gym. Today, there's too many distractions. That hurt bodybuilding days. You got a TV. So people are riding the treadmill, but they're looking at TV. They fat when they get on that treadmill. And a year later, when they get off the treadmill, they stay fat. Why? The body is doing one thing. The brain is doing another. They're not working together. If you were going to have sex. And you start thinking about Tony Atlas, you're going to lose it. It's going to go down. But if you think about who is a hot girl today, I, I don't talk about many women because of my wife, uh, <laughs> Beyonce. Okay. Is she pretty? Oh, yeah. She's a pretty yeah. woman. Yeah, like Beyonce. Yeah, yeah. Well, Beyonce going to make a comeback up. I hope I don't get in trouble saying that because she's an attractive woman. So if, if what you put here, is what going to happen here? Arnold Schwarzenegger believed in man over matter. He he would truly, truly uh, believe in that. I mean, when he walk on stage, Arnold say he saw himself win the contest before he got there. He said him and Franco Colombo would go to the gym, and his muscle would actually be pumped up, just thinking about what he's going to do. He didn't wait for him to get to the gym and start concentrating on, on his workout. Arnold Schwarzenegger started concentrating on what he's going to do before he got in the gym. When he walked through them doors, he's ready to go. He didn't wait to come in the gym and talk to this guy and talk to that guy and laugh and joke. And, no, he came ready for bear. For the moment he walked through that door, he's ready to lift. His mindset. Everything is mindset. If you believe in yourself, don't stop doubting yourself. You have to believe that you will be successful in, in what you do. Now, some of the things they taught me, that when you can't train the same muscle uh, two days in a row. The reason for that, when I'm lifting weights, I'm breaking down muscle cells. The next day, the muscle cell rebuild themselves the next day. 
But they rebuild, every time they rebuild themselves, they rebuild themselves a microscopic bigger than what they, and stronger than what they were before you broke them down. So you tear the muscle down, tear the body down, the body rebuild itself. Every time it rebuild itself, it rebuild itself a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger each time. And that's how the cycle works. Now, there's a trick to that. After six to eight weeks, the body become accustomed to what it's doing. Don't mean you're not gonna make any gains. It means that your progress, your progress is gonna slow down. So you have to change up your routine, you know, change up your exercises or how you do things. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And over. You know, that's why the body, the body will stop responding because the body is used to doing it. So you got to shock that muscle and, and have that muscle do something it's not used to, to doing. And it's not that hard to do. Now, let's say if I do curls all the time with my hand this way, I open my hand so you can see, you know, palm straight up. Then, and I'd use a straight bar. Then one day I decided to use an easy curl bar where my hand is like this. Well, just that little chain, just that little chain, see how the muscle react? Just that little chain, it, it targeted the muscle differently. If I do close grip, it's gonna hit the muscle different than if I'm doing wide grip. Instead of curl, you see? So when guy you do squats in the old day, a lot of guys would do squats with their feet at shoulder width. That would hit the muscle from one angle. Then they would do squats the following week with a wide grip. That hit the muscle from a different angle. See, on a leg press, you, the higher you put your feet, the more the hamstring and glute maximum you're gonna work. The lower you put your feet, the more of the quadriceps you're gonna work and the less of the hamstring you're gonna work. The wider you, you are, put your feet, the more you're going to work your abductor muscles. So like sh uh, shoulder pressing, the closer my hand all together when I push something on my head, the more triceps I use. The wider my hands apart, the more shoulders I'm going to use. That's why they call close grip bench press. If you bench press with your hand close, you're hitting more triceps than your chest. I put my hand out, I'm doing more chest. So I used to do what they call old push and pull routine. On uh, Monday, I do bench press, incline press, and flies for my chest. Then for shoulder, I would do shrugs, rear laterals, side laterals, and overhead press. For triceps, I would do close grip benches, and skull crushes. But I would go heavy on, on, on everything. I would do anywhere between six to eight reps on, on Monday, on my bench. On, uh, on uh, Tuesday, I did my back. So I would start off by doing deadlifts for my back. Then I went from deadlift to bent over barbell rows, and I usually finish off with lateral pull down from my back. Then for my for my uh for my arm, I would do reverse barbell curl for my forearm. Then I would do regular barbell curl for my forearm. And then I would go and finish off with my uh, with with the uh, with the cable. On Wednesday I would come in, I would do squats, leg press, and on the back would stay the same thing. Now back six reps, you can't do six reps on back. You just can't. The muscle too big. So on the back was always eight, eight to uh, eight to ten reps on Tuesday. Then on on on, on legs in the same way. You can, five reps ain't gonna do nothing for legs, like a calf. So calves the low for leg low reps low reps for leg is ten. Anything ten is low reps for legs. So on my heavy day, I would do no more than ten reps on my leg. Now I come back Thursday. I would start over again on Thursday. I worked out six days a week. I had two days in between each muscle group. Now on Thursday, I would come in and I would do dumbbell benches, but I do 12 to 15 reps, see? Then then I would do, I'd do dumbbell or, or even dumbbell 
uh, flies, you know, incline flies. And I would do 12 to 15 reps for my chest. Then I would do dips, you know, for my uh, for my chest. Then, and, then, and then for shoulders, I would do upright rows, you know. I would still do my presses, because, but I would do maybe behind the neck press or front press, barbell press, if I did a dumbbell. See, because all of us got one arm stronger than the other. So when I'm doing bench press, I can do 200-pound bench press real easy with both hands. But then I take a 100-pound dumbbell in this hand, a 100-pound dumbbell in this hand, all of a sudden, it, it's a help. Yeah, 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 Larry. Trying it, to get them go the same speed. As, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's impossible because, yeah. because muscles are used to working in a group. Muscles are designed to work <laughs> in a group. So, 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 so when you make this arm work by itself, it don't have the support of this arm. And then... And then for, uh, for legs, uh, I was on the squat once a week. And, and, and for legs on Saturday, I would do lunges, one-legged extensions, one-legged uh, leg curl, and one-leg and single-leg calf raises. Single-leg calf raises where you stand up, put your foot on the block, and hold a dumbbell in your arm. You hold a dumbbell on the same side. Now, abs were pretty much done the same way. I would do upper abs on Monday. Lower abs on on a uh, 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 Tuesday, and my oblique muscles on Wednesday, and then I do all over again. Upper abs on on Thursday, lower abs on on Friday, and obliques on our Saturday. And the cardio we used to do back in the old days, because we didn't believe in treadmills, elliptical. So what we would do, we go outside and run around the gym. That's what we call Cardio in the older days. And one day I tried this with a young lady. She would get on that treadmill for one hour. She run like a bat out of hell. I mean, just go, 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 go. So one day it was nice. And I said, uh, let's go outside and work out instead of the treadmill. So I said, run to the end of the parking lot and run back. She took off. She ran to the end of the parking lot. Then she had to lay down and rest. Wow. That's how much different it is between oh, that yeah. treadmill and oh, yeah. real running. You could do an hour running on that treadmill, but that same person couldn't do 10 minutes of real running because with the treadmill, you're getting assistance. See? You're getting assistance so the muscles don't tire out as quick. That's why you're able to go so long because that because that, that thing, are you following that, that, that belt? That right. belt is giving you assistance. Once you take away that assistance, then you're on your own. So that's why you can run outside. You find out you feel like you never ran a day in your life. <clears throat> you know, same thing with bicycle. You get on that 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 state that that that, that, state, mm -hmm. that stationary bike, yeah. or you go for other. But you get a real bike after going up and down a couple of hills. You suck and win by the time you get to the end of the block. You know, because what is real is real. Push-ups to me is the best exercise, a chest exercise in the world. You sit around and do five sets of ten of push-up, you get up your chest feel like balloons. You do five sets of ten on the bench press, you don't have that. Pull-ups. No, most people go to the gym, they can't do one pull-up. They couldn't pull themselves up. But pull-ups is still one of the best exercises uh, in the gym. The the two the, the one of the best exercises in the gym for losing weight is jumping rope. That's why boxers did it all the time. One of the best cardio. Exercise and work is jumping rope. You go to any gym, you ain't gonna see nobody jumping on rope. They'll be on the treadmill, the elliptical, they're on the machine. Can I cut in? Yes, you can. You ever heard of Herschel Walker? Oh, yeah. His dad was a Marine. He never picked up a weight in his life. Everything was, was calisthenic. Yeah. And he was built like a brick shithouse. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to friggin' granite. Man. Yeah. And he never went to the gym to pick up a weight. Well, there was a lot of guys in the wrestling world that was like that. They didn't believe in lift weight, but like Carl Gotts, you know, when we were showing pictures of all these yeah. other guys, Angelo, Angelo Savoldi, mm -hmm. and all these guys, and they had great physique, Killer Kowalski. And these guys were big, strong, powerful guys. Gene and Ole Anderson. You know, Ole lift a little bit of weight, but Gene didn't. You know, and, and how they and how they got what they did from just doing calisthenics. And when you look at some of these old pictures of old wrestlers, and, and th that's how they train. The same way with boxers like Max Bear and, and all them guys. You take Sonny Lister. Sonny Lister didn't lift no weights, you know. But look how Sonny Lister was built. 
Muhammad Ali didn't lift weight, but look how he was built. The, the, so weightlifting is not the only way to develop uh, a muscle strength and, and a, 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 a muscle size. You know, hard work could do it. But whatever you do, you have to be consistent. You can't do something this year and then next year stop doing it. Once you started doing something, you had to be consistent at it. You can't hit and miss. You have to constantly work at it. And you have to have a goal in life. Let's say you measure your arm and your arms is 15 inches. And you say, well, I want by, by next year, I want to have 16 inch bicep. You want to make reasonable uh, goals. You don't want to have no 15 inch bicep and say, oh, I want my arm to be 22 inches next summer. That, you might be able to do it, but it's not reasonable. And it don't make, it, you shouldn't do that because what if you want to have, you got 15 inch arm, you want to have 20 inch arm, but your arms only get to 18 inches. You are disappointed. You know, you are disappointed. But if you say you want, you take your arm from 15 to 16, then it go to 17, you feel great about yourself because not only you achieve your goal, you went beyond your goal. This is Herschel Walker at 53 years of age. I don't think he is. Look yeah. at that. Great shape. Look at the abs on him. He's cut everywhere. That was at 53. That was yeah. six years ago. Now all he do is calisthenics. Yeah, all he does is calisthenics. So you can develop a body uh, without weight. But like I said, my thing was was lifting the weights. You know, I love lifting the weights. Uh, it, it been it been you know it been good for me. It, it worked for me. What worked for Tony Atlas may not work for Larry Huntley. What worked for Larry Huntley may not work for Ric Flair. What worked for Ric Flair may not work for the Undertaker. So each one of us had had to find what mechanism that we could use to keep ourselves in in great shape. I found out later, which made me. It was shocking when I found out the average life expectancy of the average human being, the average life expectancy of the average human being is 120 years. That's why when you die, there should be an organ donor because your organ, you know, we are really meant to live to be 100. Living to be 100, like Betty White, God bless her. I, I loved her to death. My wife thought she was the greatest woman in the world. She used to love uh, that program she was all of. Golden Girls? Yeah. Hold on, my. She didn't big old no. <laughs> Once in a while, something get up in here. Look at that thing. Look at that. Once in a while, we got nostrils like this. You know, if I hold my hair, my hair back, I look like a two-car good rod. I really need to blow my nose real bad. Y'all don't know how long I need to blow my nose, but I just, I just thank you now. Get me a tissue, because I'm going to keep sneezing. What do you want? A tissue in the back with anything. Right. Grab me a tissue. Now, don't y'all get gross out, but I got to blow this snorker, you know? Well, you got a nose like this. If you don't blow it with something, get up in it. I know I'm going to gross you out. You don't like that, don't you? I shouldn't do it. So I'm going to turn my head when I blow my nose, so y'all don't know that I blow my nose. But anyway, get, I'm going to try to keep this thing going till now. Oh, is that all you're going to bring me, Larry? Is that all you need? You need more? I can feel this thing. I'm going to feel it. Look at Larry giving it a blow. Blow this nostril. Here we go. Is that not freaking gross or what? Hey, but it's human. That's the thing about a human being. We get runny noses, we blow it. We get wax in our ears. We get fungus. We get fungus. Anymore? No, 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 it's no. all single ply. No, I'm doing that. I'm gonna be out of toilet paper out in a while. I keep doing this nonsense. But them are one. The reason I'm talking about about weight training. Some of the guys were trying to tell me, ask me some questions. And what I do when y'all ask me questions, I always try to uh, uh, to answer the uh, the question that, that people ask me. You know, after every episode, I look at the comments that people, you know, make comments. Some of the comments are not flattering, and a lot of them are flattering. But if you have an unflattering uh, uh, response about me, that's okay. We're all entitled to our own opinion about things. One guy said, oh, I lost respect for Tony Atkins a long time ago. Hey, that's cool. I don't have a problem with that. 
here's the reason why I don't I don't have a problem with it. That you don't have respect for me. You don't feed me. You don't clothe me. You don't do shit for me. So if you don't do nothing for me, ain't going to do nothing for me, I give a red ass about what you think about me. And this is how people should live their life. You let people live their own. Now, people may say, well, Rock and Johnson were right about Tony. Well, probably he was. That rocking opinion on me. But that was I, also I, then, not now. That was then, not now. With Rocket, I would have, I talked to Rocket two days before he passed away. I'm the only person that called Rocket's wife. And I talked to Sheila all the time. His wife named it is Sheila. His rocket mother, his rock mom is his first wife. She was not his last wife. The woman that stuck with Rocket and ripped Rocket and named it Sheila. She lived in Missouri. And she loved Rocket. My wife and her talk all the time. In fact, my wife talked to Rocket's wife two days ago. I was one of the last people to talk to Rocket. Me and Rocket were the best of friends at the end of our of our career. Because we all got likes and dislikes when we were young. We all got these things. Rocket and me had a, a disagreement there one time because uh, a lot of my shows got canceled. So I got a little bit low on money. So my wife was telling Rocket's wife, Sheila, about you know, that Tony's having a hard time paying the mortgage this month. So Sheila decided to save my wife $300 to help us with the mortgage. Well, that was between my wife and Rocket Johnson's wife, Sheila. Later, I was watching Hannibal. You know that guy, Hannibal? Mm -hmm. And I saw Rocket on there. Rocket said that, I, that I, I borrowed money from him. I never paid him back. First time I heard about it was on Hannibal. So I saw Rocket. We did a, 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 an Alpha and Seeker song, Big Sam. We're running a show in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So me and Rocket book on the show. I said, Rocket, what is this about the money? What money are you talking about? He said, I sent you $300. You never paid me back. I said, you sent me $300. So I called my wife. I said, did Rocket send us $300? My wife said, yeah, he sent me $300. That's how I found out about it. But Rocket already did the, uh, the interview before he talked to me. Mm -hmm. you, you see what I'm saying? So I said, Rocket, when we go to, uh, we, we're supposed to do a show together in, uh, what's it, what's, uh, what do you call it? It's in North Carolina there. Uh, Russell Cage or yep, something? Russell Cage. Is it Russell Cage? Yeah. Yeah, Russell Cage. So I saw Rocket, Russell Cage. I, I said, Rocket, when I get home, I will send you to uh, 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 give you the money. And then Rocket passed away. He never showed up for Rascade. I was going to give him money at Rascade. So later on, I talked to Sheila about the money. And Sheila said, oh, don't worry about it. She said, Rocket love you. So what I did, I drew pictures of Rocket and stuff. Me and Rocket was good friends, no matter what anybody said. So that guy that keep bringing that stuff about, about what Rocket said, he don't know what he's talking about. He's kind of like Gunker and all these other guys on Fox News and CNN that get out there and give their opinion on stuff they know nothing about. I would have died for Rocket. Rocket would have died for me. We were the best of friends towards the end. We were younger. We butthead. I butthead with Hacksaw and Jim Duggan when we were young. But me and Hacksaw, we love each other. One thing about what y'all fans don't know about us wrestlers, we like one big family. I would fight with my brother, but you can't fight with him. I would badmouth my brother, but you can't badmouth him. That's why we call each other brother. You, you know, I could badmouth Hulk Hogan, but I'm not going to let you do it because we were like one big family. And you may hear this wrestler talk, he didn't like this wrestler, like Bram Blair. Bram Blair liked to blow things out of proportion a lot. I mean, about the Paul Orndorff incident. He used to piss Paul off because Paul wanted to, to die. In fact, was up, up to Paul Orndorff, nobody would have known about it. Tommy Rich found it went on Hannibal and straightened the mess out because he was there. Bram Blair liked to over-exaggerate stuff to make himself look good. He always been like that. He, he was like, uh, what's his name, uh, McDonald Vashon. McDonald Vashon believed if a, if a story is not worth embezzling, 
it's not worth telling. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fisherman. Yeah, wait, wait. I'll give you a prime example. I went to Japan, and on the way back from Japan, we used to stop in in uh, Hawaii first, and then we would fly from Hawaii to Los Angeles, and then from Los Angeles we fly to New York. Well, anyway. I got to Los Angeles. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna pot it with this girl. Her name is Laura. Her name Laura Lesko. Beautiful young lady. Beautiful young lady. You know, she probably hate my guts by now. You know, but that's okay because I was a complete jerk man. She was a sweet olive girl. Nice, nice girl. You know, I've never been with a bad woman. I just was a bad man. I just was too. You know, they were just too good for me. So Monica straightened my ass out though. You know, she was tough enough and loved me enough. To put up with my crap and stay with my wife Monica, but anyway, me and Lord, we're gonna stay at, the, at that time. We're calling the Beverly Hillcrest on Worship Boulevard in in Los Angeles. I just stay on South Orange Grove. Uh, that's near, uh, near Pico and Fairfax. The people around that area know what I'm talking about. But anyway, make a long story short, I had a I used to carry a wallet. Well, when I got out of the car, my wallet dropped out of my pocket. I had three hundred dollars in my wallet. So I went back for my wallet. My wallet was gone, and the valet that parked my car was gone too. He took the day off, about three hundred. So I was in the dressing room. I'm telling the guy, "Hey, this guy ripped me off. I lost my wallet. The guy took my wallet. They said, how much money you had in turn?" I said, "All oh, about three hundred dollars." You know, nobody said nothing about it. I flew from Los Angeles to Newark Airport the next day. I had to go to Philly, Philly, this rest at the Spectrum. At this time, SD Special Delivery Jones was my partner. Rocket Johnson was not in the WWF at that time. It was SD Jones. So SD picked me up at the airport. And he said, hey, Tony, I, I hear about you and your wallet. Why you had that much money on you anyway? I said, what are you talking about, SD? He said, hey, you lost $3,000. <laughs> overnight, overnight, it went from 300, from 300 to 3,000 overnight. 3,000 miles. Yes. <laughs> because every time a wrestler told the story, they added money to it to make the story more interesting. So that's why a lot of times when you listen to these wrestlers talk, you have to really stop and really listen to them to see, is he telling it the way it is or is he exaggerating a little bit? You know? Like, let's, let's say a guy is five foot six and you interview him and you would say like Albert Puskey five foot six so you interview Albert Puskey Albert Puskey say well you know I was not as big as a wrestling wrestler I'm only five foot eight you see what I'm saying he's he gonna add that two inches oh yes he's gonna add that two inches to it because it sounds more interesting so a lot of wrestlers they used to like to in Belgium uh, what they do I never did it because I'm not trying to blow my own horn. The truth is the light. As the Bible said, the truth will set you free. That's why I could tell the same story over and over and over and over. And it's like when I talk about Bruce and Brody, if you ever notice the, the story is always the same, I never change it. Because when you tell the truth, it never changed. When you tell a lie, you have to tell one lie to make up for the lie you told, then another lie for that. By the end of the day, you don't know what lie you told. To who? And to who? But the truth always come out the same. Always come out the same. No matter how many times you tell it, it's going to be the same. Because what you're doing, when I talk about the murder of Bruiser Brody, I'm reliving it. When you sit there and watch something happen, you know what your eyes show you. You know what your eyes is showing you. Like, I don't care what they say about what happened on January the 6th. I know what I saw. I know what I saw. You could say it was a stroll to the park. You could say it didn't happen. You could tell me, Tony, don't believe your lying eyes. Don't piss on my foot and tell me it's raining. I know what I saw. I know what I hear. And what has happened to us, we would see something and somebody said, hey, that ain't what you that ain't what's happening. Bullshit, that's what happened. You saw it. Always you may not believe everything you hear, 
You may not believe everything you hear, but you got to be an idiot not to believe everything you see. I mean, you're looking at it. So why should I have to tell you what you saw? Larry's white. Look at him. Big old Scotsman. Big old strong-ass Scotsman. That's what I see when I look at Larry, a big, strong Scotsman. Now, you can tell me all you want. He's African-American. I ain't going to believe you. <laughs> you can tell me all you want. He's Japanese. I ain't going to believe you. That's how the wrestling world works. We turn fantasy into reality. So a lot of guys, when they leave the ring, they didn't know where the work is stopped, where the fantasy stopped, and the reality began. They're also used to telling stories. They're used right. to the fans. Kind of like fellowship. CM Punk. Like CM Punk. He's my friend. I'm not knocking him. He's my friend. But he started believing in his own publicity. He believed he was really this tough guy that they would put no on TV until he walked into what the UFC. Yeah, and then he found out they punk. Not that I want to do UFC. This is this uh -huh. is this is reality. These yeah. guys don't work. Mm. They don't work. They're not workers. They shooters. But I could have whooped that guy ass even at my age now. You know why? Why is that? I'm the real deal. <laughs> Nothing fake here, baby. The real deal. Because I've been on the mat when it was real. I've been in wrestling when it was real. I got in the ring with boxing gloves on when it was real. I got on the high school wrestling when it was real. I went the streets all over Virginia in fist fight that was real. So I always knew how to do it for real. What about training on the mat with the with the Anderson? That's right, training on the mat with, with Paul Gotch <laughs> and Anderson, especially Gene. Yeah. Especially Gene. Gene Anderson would tell you, you come on out back here, I will whoop your ass. I don't know how many times I saw Gene Anderson meet somebody out in the back pocket lot and just pound the crap out of him. You talk about a tough SOB, Gene Anderson. You talk about a tough SOB, Shree Hansen. You talk about a tough SOB, Haku. You oh, talk about a tough, yeah. and, and I tell you, people talk about Haku, mm -hmm. how tough it was. Haku would, would the, I would say it was a toss-up between Haku and Sika. Really? Sika was wow. fear, brother. You, people got no idea how bad Sika was. Well, and, they, and, that's, and that's Roman Reigns' father. They they had to smarten the, the Samoans up in San Francisco. They were they, knocking people out in the they, ring. They were knocking out the heels. Yes. They were beating the shit out of them. Coming yes. out of the ring. They had to yes. smarten them up and get them into business because they were beating the shit out of their wrestlers. Seeker, when, when Brody got stabbed, I went down to the police. I wanted to go to the police station to tell the police what happened. And all the wrestlers said, well, Tony, I wasn't there. Uh... I said, anybody want to go with me? Seeker said, I'll go with you, brother. And wasn't he in the other locker room? Yeah, but he, he went to the police station. To be with, me. with you. Yeah, but, but I felt safe. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, he was your back. I felt safe yeah. when I was with Seeker. I'm, I hope I got to tell this quick story. One, one, day, one day, Seeker was up. We was in Boston, Massachusetts. Me and Seeker was out drinking all night long. We went in to get some breakfast. Seeker went to his, his truck. He had a, a Mark 5, a Lincoln Mark 5. And he locked his keys in the car. And he, he had, a, the, the, had his, 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 his lava lava on. His shirt was wide open. His Hawaiian shirt was wide open and everything. And he was trying to stop people. He had his big bushy hair. To, no one's stopping Yeah, he was trying to stop people to, to help him to get his... Cause he shut the trunk with his keys in it to get it, the trunk his key. So Fanny couldn't stop nobody. Now this is a Lincoln town car. He picked up the back end of that the, of that car, walking around and set it on the sidewalk. Fanny, some black guy came along and said, "I help you, brother." He pulled off the thing, go like that. <laughs> and pop the trunk in yeah, about yeah in all about, the blanks. Yeah, yeah, in about thirty seconds he popped the trunk. But. I was amazed with Seeker lifting up a Lincoln Town car. We're talking about what a 1970s. Uh, this, 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 steel. Steel. Uh, that, 
fabricated. That's how strong Seeker was. I just love the story that he used to knock out the rest. Oh, yeah. So they had to get him in the business. We will see you all down the road. Happy New Year's 22.